Welcome to Jane Unchained, featuring best-selling author, TV journalist, and JaneUnchained.com founder, Jane Velez Mitchell. In the next few minutes, you'll hear a secret solution to the problems that plague our world. If you want to revolutionize your life, get truly joyful, and jump to the next phase of human evolution, all it takes is one simple choice. Now, here's your host, Jane Velez Mitchell. Oh, wow. I am so wildly excited about this show today. Um, Look, we're in crisis as a species. Uh, (laughs) Look at what's happening. We've got a pandemic. We've got climate change. We've got a human health crisis. And it all boils down to people are eating animals. This is the fundamental problem in our world that nobody's looking at. Every single time I open the newspaper, um, and I'm talking digitally, obviously, this morning. Oh, a new drug for Alzheimer's. Well, there's a lot of information coming out that Alzheimer's is connected to diet, that when your vessels in your body get clogged with plaque, which comes from cholesterol, which only exists in animal products, that 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 clogging is not just the artery to the heart, which kills one out of every four people in America in the form of heart disease, It's systemic. It causes erectile dysfunction. It causes all sorts of problems. And there's a lot of new evidence that it can also have the same effect on the vessels in the brain. But no, we don't want to look at preventing dementia. We want to treat it once people get it with a pill or use some kind of pharmaceutical solution to a problem that doesn't have to exist in the first place. Let's talk about the pandemic. We've got a fantastic panel here. Renee Rowland of Paw Pack, you do incredible work. Tell us about what you're trying to do in the city of Los, in, in Los Angeles to prevent the next pandemic. And then we're going to introduce the rest of our panelists. Thank you, Jane. I'm happy to be here. So about a year, actually, it's a year and a quarter ago in the month of March, right when the pandemic uh, came out. We met with council member Paul Koretz and we proposed a motion to ban the poultry and live animal markets in the city of Los Angeles. Now, there happened to be about 22 at this point. There's another dozen in the county. Um, So we made the motion. The council voted unanimously to uh, have a feasibility study. They wanted to make sure they did everything in the right uh, form by considering all factors. The Department of Animal Services uh, put together the feasibility study and it came uh, together in November of 2020. We are really so happy and blessed that the Department of Animal Services is supportive of this in every regard and came well, out with it down because you're 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 in the weeds here and and we just want to know what the big picture is first what's the big picture what's the problem what's the solution oh okay the it's stalled ever since that point it, it's been stalled and it's supposed to go to a committee to be heard to then have the final vote and so we have a petition to get this thing in a committee hearing. Uh, 
There's huge opposition, massive opposition to it from all, of course, the market owners. Uh, they have also community members that have signed on. We have the state veterinarian who's lodged a large opposition. Let me, let me cut to the chase here. We're in a pandemic. Now, three out of four emerging infectious diseases come from animals. The first culprit of the pandemic was the slaughter market in Wuhan, China. Just like SARS has a connection to another slaughter market in another province in China. Uh, however, now all of a sudden, everybody's focused on what used to be a quack theory, the lab theory. But as Dr. Silas Rao explained, even if it did come from a lab, they were still experimenting on bats. It was still um, a result of our abuse of animals in the food system. So Ray Apolito, you are the founder of Eating Animals Causes Pandemics. Can you give the listeners, the viewers, the big picture, break it down, spell it out? Because right now everybody's like, we'll never know for sure. We'll never know for sure what caused the pandemic. This is the latest talking, talking point. Yeah, thank you. So yeah, the truth is we'll never know. And there's no reason that we ever will know the truth. But what we do know is just what you said very clearly, Jane, three out of four of uh, the emerging viruses pandemics came strictly specifically from our use, abuse and consumption of animals. So why would it be any different? Um, as you clearly said, Dr. Silas Rao said, you know, yes, if, if that theory is even true, it still is a result of animals. So uh, what we're doing, um, you know, as you know, we did on May 1st, International Pandemic Outreach Day. That initiative has continued on to speak specifically this Friday, Saturday, and Sunday coming up to the G7 directly and tell them to address this issue full on, not that we're going to have other councils and other ways of detecting viruses and emerging viruses. The reality is that we don't discuss or put things in place that are preventative, and that needs to be said. What needs to be said, what needs to be done is that we remove our completely broken animal food system. It, there's no place for it. We have brilliant uh, people making incredible foods that taste just like everything. Every global disaster, every part of uh, climate uh, change and, and global greenhouse gas emissions, deforestation, everything, the leading cause is animal agriculture. And if we look at the reality, Jay, I mean, how many people died uh, from COVID? Uh, 3.7 million people. That's, that's enough. We don't need to have more people die. But that's nothing compared to the 18.6 million people that have died globally from cardiovascular disease, which is a direct cause of animal agriculture. This is another, 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 another thing that we have to address, and it's urgent. We're asking people to take to the streets, to go to your local media, to major media, it's time, we have an opportunity, we have a very small opportunity here in our movement to share something that is affecting us globally, which is this meat virus, the COVID virus. This thing, if we don't take this and run with it, we, I don't know that we're gonna have another opportunity and this may be the last chance that Mother Nature has given us to, to make a, a definitive move. Eloisa Trinidad, you're an incredible activist in New York City. You've opened the vegan fridge, community fridge, where people can come and get whatever vegan products they want. You spoke very eloquently reading the Animal Liberation Pledge in Spanish at National Animal Rights Day. You're doing so much. You're also trying to counteract the more than 80 wet slaughter markets in New York City alone. 
Nobody really, people don't know that there are, there are hundreds, even hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of local slaughter markets, meaning retail slaughter markets, where people go and they pick out an animal and then they slit their throat and the blood and the feces and the guts and the eyeballs and the urine and everything's all around dripping into the street. And uh, then they hand the carcass to the person who goes and eats the animal. This, to me, seems medieval. Uh, I've been vegan 23 years. Uh, look at me. I'm accused of having too much energy every day of the week. Um, and so why are we doing this? We're doing this because people are making money. So what are you doing in New York, Eloisa, to deal with the wet market threat? So uh, there's an amazing group in New York called Slaughter Free NYC, and they're really leading the efforts and um, trying to get these slaughterhouses um, shut down. They were open during the pandemic, so we're over 80 slaughterhouses. And not only that, we also had one of the largest uh, religious festivals in New York City as well during that pandemic, which slaughtered hundreds of thousands of animals in the middle of the street in makeshift tents, um, makeshift slaughterhouses. Uh, my work is really focused right now on, you know, getting uh, plant-based options available to people. Um, I'm part of a school food working group with 50 by 40 Friends of the Earth. And, you know, what we're saying is, you know, we need to change this, this food system. It has to transition uh, to a plant-based food system as much as we possibly can. And we have to start changing the institutions. People are asking for plant-based foods uh, during that pandemic. That's exactly what I saw. Um, there was a lot of fear in eating animals, rightly so, because you know they do transfer diseases onto us. And the destruction of the planet, not just the direct exploitation of the animals, is leading and will eventually lead to more pandemics. Um, and so the idea that we are now debating whether or not it came from a lab, uh, whether or not it came from, you know, someone eating a bat or eating a chicken or whatever it may have been, as you said, Jane, it is through the direct exploitation of animal bodies and we have to stop exploiting animals. And so through Vegan Activist Alliance, we raise awareness on the street um, about the exploitation of our fellow animals. And, you know, working um, on the grassroots levels is great, but we need systemic change. We need for the government to transition all of these subsidies to plant-based farmers. We need to make healthy food available for everyone. We, we, those of us on this call, know what people need to do. Unfortunately, the powers that be, the best and the brightest, which, by the way, was a sarcastic title. If you've ever read The Best and the Brightest, the author says that's sarcastic. You know, those great minds from all the top universities and the elite brought us the Vietnam War, a quagmire, uh, a stain. So um, we can't count on the news media, which is advertiser based, therefore pretty much controlled by the meat, dairy and pharmaceutical industries and other industries, um, We, but news particularly, I mean, you watch news, you're going to see commercials with dripping with steak and it's back and all sorts of and then the pharmaceuticals and, and with the side effects. I can't even have dinner watching cable news because it's so gross, the commercials about the side effects and this problem. And they're encouraging people to identify with maladies. Oh, I've got X, Y, Z. That makes me special. That makes me different. I mean, the manipulation is so off the charts, but... Follow the money. But here's what I say. 
Nobody's going to be making money if our planet becomes uninhabitable. If our planet, through climate change, habitat destruction, wildlife extinction, deforestation, water pollution, drought, becomes uninhabitable, fires, nobody's making money right now. Just yesterday, once again, I, I can't listen to the news without pulling my hair out. They're talking about the drought in California. Oh, the drought is terrible, terrible, terrible. And the poor farmers. Well, California is the largest dairy state in the nation. Mm-hmm. It, a vegan diet saves 600 gallons of water a day per person. Those cows are drinking huge amounts of water. They're transferring a lot of water to the agriculture industry. And then they pollute the water with their feces. But nobody talks about it. And then a bill to try to get farmers to transition from animal agriculture to plant-based agriculture, just a little tiny bill gets crushed by the industry. So we are self-defeating almost, I would say, masochistic society at this point, except we're also sadistic because of what we're doing to the animals. Renee, here's the conundrum. Los Angeles is considered, you know, the progressive capital. What happens in LA spreads to the rest of the world. We're on the forefront of change. Not so much. Okay, they're trying to destroy the wetlands and they're calling it a restoration when they're going to bulldoze the whole thing. LA's last coastal wetlands, home to 1,700 species, some threatened, some endangered. They're just going to wipe the whole thing out and they're going to put the label restoration on it. That's what they want to do. There's six lawsuits to try to stop it, but that's not environmental. We're the owls and the egrets and the foxes and the skunks and all the other animals that depend on the Biona wetlands going to go for a decade while they, while they bulldoze the whole thing. Nobody provides the answer. Is that progressive? And then you've got a, an opportunity here for us to take a look, a critical look at the wet markets and it gets stalled. So, Again, tell us there's a petition. People watching this can sign the petition. I signed it, sign it. It takes literally 10 seconds, if that. Renee, spell it out for people who don't understand all the nuances of government. What is it that you want folks to do? We want you to go to our petition and sign it and also share it with your whole network so that we can have that hearing that's needed to pass this measure. Um, our website is pawpac.org, P-A-W-P-A-C dot org. And you see a quail calling out for help, click on it and you'll find the petition. Um, we want to jump in for those watching on Facebook. It's right in the intro. I, I signed it. I just clicked on it and signed it. You put your email in and you say you represent yourself organization you just it takes one second and you just say please we don't want we don't want wet markets they're a threat um it's so easy i urge everybody to do this continue on renee yes it's so easy and when we consider how the those that are opposed to this amazingly organized themselves with uh, lawyers, with um, veterinarians and poultry associations and religious centers and a whole mass of uh, 293 pages worth of opposition. Um, We need 
everyone that's listening here to sign that petition and let them know that we are demanding, we're demanding just a hearing at this point. And we have plenty of research that shows one of the problems is this opposition claims how, uh, how they're certified, inspected, and so biotech. When you say they, you're talking about the wet markets. The wet markets in Los Angeles, for those who just joined us, are a, a problem that PAWPAC wants to deal with. And there's a bill that is proposed by one of the people I admire, Paul Koretz, who's a councilman here. Um, it says, basically, let's get rid of the wet markets. But it get, it's gotten stalled in committee. So um, that's the forces of industry trying to keep this down. Absolutely. I mean, they, uh, we have inspection reports with 50 plus flies all over the place with uh, utensils that they had just knives that they used to slaughter the chickens. And then they threw them in the same sink with the dishes that they're going to use. And we know that these standards that they are claiming, and of course, the claims are not just the market owners, but all these veterinarians and the um, basically the CDFA, the California Department of uh, Agriculture, is claiming that their biostandards are so tight that there's no chance, and we know so much better than this. Uh, and so, yeah, it, it I mean, what is reality compared to what the claims are, are so disparate. Uh, and, and so you know, here's the problem is that on every front, there is a willful, willful blindness, willful. Now, Ray, you did these incredible demonstrations on May Day. Uh, for your organization, Eating Animals Causes Pandemics, in cities all over the United States and the world, people in hazmat suits. It was very, you know, I was in the news media for 38 years. You like a good story with good visuals. You couldn't ask for more visuals. A hundred people marching with hazmat suits and sirens and this voice that said, eating animals causes pandemics, we've got a problem. Zero coverage. Zero news coverage except for Jane Unshade. We are a 501c3 nonprofit people. If you're interested, help us out because I don't take a salary. This is my living room, global headquarters of Jane Unshade. We have 70 volunteer contributors. Uh, Adita Bernkrant is a New York City volunteer contributor. Eloisa is a volunteer contributor. They go live all the time. We do it not because we're trying to make money. Okay, it's a money pit. We're doing it to try to save the planet. And I don't have human children. You know, when I go, I go. But these people who have children who are literally looking at the solution in the face and saying, I don't see it because I like my comfort food and I want it. So we make things that taste exactly the same. Even the meat companies, JBS, arguably the largest meat company in the world up there with Tyson just made a vegan um, ground beef that I ate three days ago. I went to a friend of mine's house and she had it and we had lunch and it was delicious. Even the meat companies are making alternative meat and it's certified vegan, 100% Ozo brand. Even when they, we've created things for you, and I say we, I mean this 
culture, society. Oatly just went public. Beyond Meat is a very successful stock. Impossible Foods, Miyoko's, Gardein, uh, Tofurky. I mean, the list goes on and on. There's no, uh, you'd have to literally be living under a rock to think, well, there's no alternative. Even though I heard some TV star who's in some reality show the other day say, well, it broke my heart uh, because I was a farmer for the show to have to send the animals off. But there's no alternative because we love our roasts. I mean, at a certain point, are we just going to say the human species is just not that smart? We are barreling toward extinction. Ray, what is your plan to try to force the advertiser-based news media that is completely controlled by the meat, dairy, and pharmaceutical industry, which provides most of the commercials with an occasional uh, insurance commercial thrown in there for good measure. What is your plan to force them to face this? Yeah, so you, you had mentioned, I want to thank Eloisa for being there and Adida, as you shared, and, and Philip Murphy, a lot of other great folks from New York. But that was only one of over 23 countries. I think we had 65 cities around the world and over 65 animal rights, environmental, conservation, religious organizations that got together for one day to create one action. We're also doing that this weekend. It's going to be three days um, everywhere from, you know, headquarters down there, G7, as as close as we can get to New York and, and everywhere else. Um, our attempt and our commitment is, is to make big waves and, and, and to stand out front of these organizations, out front of these media organizations, and make it completely obvious and completely easy for them to literally walk outside their door, put out a microphone and a camera, and get a story. They're ignoring it, as you said, Jane. I mean, you've been in, in, in news industry for a long time. It was, it was crazy then, but it's even crazier now because the circumstances are so much more dire And as you said, there's like so many more opportunities, like God forbid you don't have the exact cut of meat that you want at the exact time, but it's almost becoming impossible to say that because literally just at about in any area, you have plenty of food. But what about just regular foods that everyone else is eating? We have a system of, we have our food system that is, as you mentioned, clearly destroying our planet. Um, You know, and as Eloisa is so, you know, diligently working towards the removal of 80 of the wet markets in, Renee, in New York and Renee, there's 3,700 in the United States, 3,700 slaughterhouses. A wet market is a place where animals get slaughtered. So you call it whatever you want. And we could talk about COVID and people could- Yeah, and I want to start and just say, you raise an important point. They won't say slaughterhouse. You can watch MSNBC, they call them meat packing. Yeah. Meat, it's like, okay, I'm gonna pack up my meat and put it in a valise and go on vacation. It's a slaughterhouse. They it's will slaughterhouse. not use the word. They yeah. will not use the word. Yeah, so, and that, that industry was the hot spot, as you know, and as, as it was yeah. shared a little bit. But that's so that's the thing, Jay. Like that's what we're really committed to to doing is like this was a conversation in the beginning of this pandemic. There was some conversation about where it was coming from in major media. Well, notice how they shut it down. Now they're, they're all on the lab. The lab theory was a quack theory that was discredited and was um basically a conspiracy theory. Now it's, oh, it's suddenly uh, a very legitimate theory. When people say we'll never know, okay, we, just like I covered crime for 38 years. You know, if you only 
could prosecute somebody and convict them of murder when there was a videotape of them committing the murder, then nobody would be prosecuted. Nobody would be convicted. It's become almost a joke. Well, if he did it, where's the videotape? Well, no, people don't murder people on videotape when they can avoid it because they know they'll get caught. So you don't have the kind of conclusive evidence in 99.99% of all um, investigations. It's deductive reasoning. It's circumstantial evidence. It's looking at patterns, okay? And the pattern is that these problems have popped up. These pandemics have popped up in areas where people have been dealing with uh, slaughtered animals. I've got the zoonotic disease CDC right here. And while you while you give us your information, Eloisa, on what you're doing about the 80 wet markets in New York City, uh, I will I will find something from the CDC. Take it away. Um, so right now, Slaughter Free NYC, uh, which Maureen and Jill Carnegie, Maureen Medina are part of, are leading the efforts in shutting down these um, wet markets in New York City. Um, focusing on on making plant-based foods available to students across the country. Uh, so through the Healthy Future Students and Earth Pilot uh, Program Act um, that will be presented, this bill will be presented at the end of June, um, is really asking um, the government to divest, um, you know, from completely just subsidizing and giving the money to these exploitative industries that are destroying the planet, 68% of the money goes to animal products, right? And so we have students that are not healthy that are refusing to eat animal products. They don't wanna eat them. They go through the school day completely hungry and they know what's going on. You know, we have a youth that's very active, um, that is very, uh, feels very empowered about climate change as well as animal rights. And so we're saying if you're giving options and you're talking about food justice and providing food, we have to give these options to the students. Um, and so this uh, bill is being uh, presented by Nidia Velasquez, uh, Congresswoman Nidia Velasquez. And it's a pilot program, it's an opt-in program because we know that the animal agriculture industry is gonna come for us. Uh, we know that when we make this a requirement, um, it tends to fail. So we're saying for those school districts across the country from Portland all the way to Hawaii to opt in, to listen to their students. I had a student recently ask me, you know, how come the government asks us everything? They ask us our gender, how much money we make, whether we're not or single, but they don't ask us whether or not we want to not eat animals. Why is that? We don't want to eat them for whatever reason, whether philosophical, nutritional, climate change. And so I think it's time and we need every activist at every point of activism, really pressuring the media, the government to tell the truth and to also divest from the harm that we're causing. Um, I think what Animal Rebellion recently did uh, to disrupt the supply chain over um, in Europe was exceptional. And so we need to do that pressure and we need to understand our power and we need to empower the youth and we need to empower our fellow activists to do so. And so, you know, we're trying to target the government, the media and the public and all along the way in order for us to divest from harming our fellow animals because it's definitely destroying them. They're the ones who suffer the most and is destroying us as well. And by the way, we invite anybody from the animal agriculture industry, from the slaughter industry, from the wet market 
retail slaughterhouse industry or from government on any time, from the USDA, which basically the head of the USDA is run by a dairy industry leader. Save your breath, Jane. <laughs> but you're invited on. Okay, this is the CDC. Okay, it says um, zoonotic diseases. Uh, are caused by germs that spread between animals and people. Zoonotic diseases are very common, both in the United States and around the world. Scientists estimate that more than six out of every 10 known infectious diseases in people can be spread from animals, and three out of every four new or emerging infectious diseases in people come from animals. Because of this, the CDC works 24-7 to protect people from zoonotic diseases in the United States and around the world. Really? Okay. So look at what they're telling is the, this is the CDC. I'm reading off the CDC what the problems are. Direct contact, coming into contact with the saliva, blood, urine, mucus, feces, or other bodily fluids of an infected animal. Example, petting or touching animals and bites and scratches. Okay, so when you're in a wet market, all your, this is the, this is the product. You, you know, you're slaughtering animals. There's blood, there's feces, there's urine, there's mucus, there's bodily fluids. Okay, so if an animal is infected, that you're, you're, you're coming into contact with the very things that can spread. Indirect contact, coming into contact with areas where animals live and roam or objects or surfaces that have been contaminated with germs. Examples include aquarium tank water, pet habitats, chicken coops, barns, plants, and soil, as well as pet food and water dishes. Again, a, a wet market, it is packed. Animals are coming in, okay, from wherever they're getting the animals. You're talking about, now, I don't want to name names of particular wet markets, but Eloisa, what kind of animals have you seen in the wet markets? Obviously chickens, but what else? Um, baby lambs, cows, sheep, um all animals from smaller to large and you know the conditions that you mentioned you know these they're not following health code and even if they were it's a complete disaster there's species all over there's blood sometimes the runoff goes into the streets where there are schools there's playgrounds um, and so some of these places are located in new york right in the middle of neighborhoods putting people in direct contact um, with all these potential uh, diseases that can come of, of these slaughterhouses. And um, it's it's just, a, you know, another pandemic waiting to happen. You know, and you mentioned the slaughterhouses, but we know already that, these, that the factory farms make people sick. The people who live right next to them, low birth weight, brain damage, depression, um, so many different things because of the air pollution, the water pollution. So we don't even need a pandemic. You know what I mean? We have the information yeah, I, right I, I, now. I can't independently confirm anything about brain damage, but I can tell you that it depresses me for weeks to go and bear witness at the slaughterhouse here near downtown LA where pigs are being trucked in, the stench is unbelievable and it's sad. So yes, it's a sad, 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 um, it's a sad thing that most people don't wanna see. You know how many people who eat animals I've invited to go with me and say, well, if you're, if you're capable of eating them and killing a, and, and paying for somebody else, some poor person who's gonna experience everything from depression to alcoholism to drug addiction to domestic violence to carpal tunnel syndrome, who has no other choice, that, that person has got to go in there and kill pigs uh, five days a week for hours and hours and hours a day. Uh, sometimes, you know, with, uh, well, always horrible conditions. 
Uh, will you come and will you come and bear witness? Will you come and watch? Oh no, I don't think I could handle it. Oh, but you can handle eating the bacon. This is the problem with our society. So I want to go back to Renee Roland. Um, again, we have a petition that you've put together to try to address the issue of wet markets in Los Angeles. If you're watching on Facebook, it's right in the intro to this live video. You can click on it. it takes a couple of seconds to sign. You just click off a couple of things and, and you can make a comment based yes. on the conversation. You can make a comment. And there's something that I haven't mentioned yet today, and it's about the battery hens, the little quail. They are being kept by the hundreds or even thousands, depending on the size of the market. Uh, now, a few years ago, California banned the uh, battery cages for hens in, in, uh, in the factory farms, but they're not banned in these live markets. And so you have for an for the quail eggs, which are a delicacy, and some people feed them to their dogs. Yeah. And there, I don't know what what other uh, purposes these quail are being kept in these battery cages. And it turns out that there is a transmission between mallard ducks, uh, who which are wild, you know, wild birds. And this is how the Zunos makes the leap to the quail, which becomes the intermediary host, and then to the chickens that are all housed in these markets. Well, I just read an article about uh, avian flu. I mean, you, you, we are in the midst of a pandemic, but there's also the threat of future pandemics, and people aren't talking about it. They're talking about developing vaccines, but they're not talking about how can we make a cultural shift to have a safer, healthier world where we can avoid the next pandemic. And so the way to do that, obviously, is to have respect for the natural world and to eliminate factory farming because this pandemic is bad, but there, it could be a lot worse. It could be a lot worse. And I'm no scientist and I don't pretend to be, but I read an article that made a very good case that if the... Um, animal were a factory farm animal and these animals are bred to be as genetically identical as they possibly can be so it can sweep rapidly through a large population of intensely compacted animals uh, because there are hundred thousand animals uh, that are kept in these ginormous warehouses uh, there was a fire recently uh, down uh, south that uh, they I think something like 250,000 uh, chickens died because they're kept that many in a couple of warehouses, giant warehouses. We're treating living, breathing, feeling beings like they're inventory, like they're a box. And we're paying a price. Well, this is what happened in the floods too, if you remember last, it was about two years ago, Jane, right? In South Carolina with all the chicken farms and the pig farms. Like it just, it's endless how many animals it just, it's a blip on our screen. We don't think about it. And, and when you're talking about, we keep, this is something that happens just in regular conversations. It keeps going back to China. We keep mentioning all the things that emerge out of China. And this oddly named flu, the Spanish flu, had nothing to do with Spain, actually. It was having to do with, had to do with Kansas. And we had 50 million people worldwide that were affected. And you also mentioned something too, like, 
The, the fatality rate of this specific virus is low single digits. It's below 2%. Avian flu is up to 60% and swine flu 30%. These are huge, huge issues. If they ever actually really took hold, we would be in serious, serious problems, far more than we have. And, and we have an opportunity to do something. And, and I just, you know, I'll just go back to, to our position on it. Like, I just urge absolutely every single animal rights organization, environmental, conservation, everyone, like, please take this opportunity while we still have it to really bring education, awareness, inspiration, and action to the streets, uh, to legislation, everything under the sun, anything that we could possibly do to use this example for what, it, what it's for. Or we may never have this opportunity again, um, and God forbid something else bigger comes along, but we, there's, there's a lot going on. I'll tell you something, Ray, again, having worked in the media for many years, um, you're gonna be standing out there um, with, with your hazmat suits holding up signs, uh, eating animals causes pandemics and trying to make the connection. And I don't think they're gonna cover it, but what I think might happen is that uh, People will walk in and say, did you see those? Did you see those people out there? Oh, crazy. And then somebody else might go, well, you know, they actually have a point. You know, it, it's the chance. It's going to start a conversation, um, hopefully inside the halls where the um, what I would do is is try to have some kind of pamphlet that is because, see, what they try, here's the, here's the um, I would call the trap that we are in. If we held a serious news conference with scientists and just spoke, blah, 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 they wouldn't cover it. Dr. Silas Rao, who is a Stanford-educated engineer and systems analyst who worked at <clears throat> a major Silicon Valley company for a couple of decades, who was instrumental in accelerating internet speeds by going from analog to digital, who worked with Al Gore, but split with Al Gore because Al Gore wouldn't talk about animal agriculture. He's written a position paper that makes a very compelling argument that animal agriculture is responsible for 87% of climate change. Now, at first people said, well, we can't report it because it's not published. Now it's been published. Still, nobody is reporting on it. Uh, well, plant-based news reported on it. We reported on it, but we're talking about mainstream media. They, they won't touch it. And he has citations. He's willing to debate anybody. Now, the United Nations, there was just an article in New York Times about how the United Nations engages with fun, in funny business with industry, like the shipping industry, to minimize the impacts of climate change. Well, that's exactly what the United Nations did. They have official partnerships with the meat, dairy, and egg industry. And the, the statistics are skewed. Um, it was Livestock's Long Shadow that said animal agriculture was responsible for 18.1%. Then the World Watch Institute said it was 51%. And then all of a sudden, the UN teams up with the meat, dairy, and egg industry, and it drops down to 14.5%. And Dr. Rao is saying it's 87%. But the mainstream media uses 14.5%. They won't look at the possibility what if he's right? The entire future of our planet depends on it. If we are not prosecuting the right killer of our planet 
and the real killer is sitting there in the gallery while we put fossil fuels on trial. Of course, fossil fuels are bad, but if the true culprit is animal agriculture, we are barreling toward extinction. And they won't look at it. And we are ridiculed as crazy. So what I would do is, because your, your demonstration is very visual, but it's also the kind of thing where they're going to go, those crazies out there, you have to have something in writing to hand to people. Got it all. To accept it. It could be the white paper. It could be, um, it could be the CDC's own documents, but it should be very scientific and very toned down and tailored, not something with, you know, meat is murder on it, even though I believe that, but um, it should be something where, you know, you say to people, you're, you are abrogating your journalistic duty by not reporting on this. Listen, Renee, it's not just the local government officials who are stonewalling. They've had dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of demonstrations against the wet slaughter markets in New York City. Zero coverage, right? Tell us about that, Eloisa. Yes. So, you know, you mentioned, um, you know, all these zoonotic diseases. And while this, this pandemic has been happening, there, has been, there have been outbreaks throughout in Europe. Latin America all over, but they have been contained. And so there have been these um, smaller outbreaks in India. So this idea, which I think we tend to do of othering, of, you know, it's in China, it's not here, um, and the responsibility of the media, of the government, of the World Health Organization to not be honest. Um, and so no coverage, uh, suppressing information. Um, Animal Rebellion did uh, an action in the early days of the pandemic directed towards the media as well, uh, because they were not um, really telling the truth. You have amazing people like uh, Dr. Rao coming up with all of these amazing papers, all these position papers, and again, suppressed. And we actually did um, Slaughter Free NYC, and I don't want to speak for them, they're not here um, because I am not an organizer in the group, at City Hall to request that these slaughterhouses be shut down. No coverage. No coverage. I will say this. I attended a demonstration. If you want to get coverage, if you're talking about animal rights, there's two things you can do. Get naked. And then they'll ridicule you for getting naked. I mean, PETA did the uh, lettuce ladies and they go, oh, you know, PETA exploits. uh, Well, PETA has, you know, 19 lawyers. They file lawsuits. They file Freedom of Information Act requests. They do all this serious stuff. Crickets, not covered. Okay, so then they do something colorful and then they critique them for doing something colorful. Well, Eloise is going to do that at our next um, demonstration this Friday. I did want to say that, Jane. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I just want to let you know that Eloisa will be doing that at our next demonstration in New York. <laughs> <laughs> so let me just say this. So I covered a demonstration by Direct Action Everywhere up in the Oakland area uh, against a uh, retail slaughter market, a wet market. And the reporters who came out, the local news reporters, only came out because 
approximately 37 people were arrested. That's why. Because they went in, they sat down, they didn't leave. And um, 37 people were arrested. I have to say the police were far more sympathetic than the media. One police officer, because there was a chicken of, or some animal that uh, one of them had seen and taken, and then they said, well, you're stealing the animal. And then she said, we're liberating. And, and it, it became this thing. And the police officer took money out of his wallet and gave it to the owner of the um, wet market and said, here, take the money so she can leave. Because it, it, it's against uh, the belief system of animal rescuers to pay because then people just get more animals and sell and sell those so they were more sympathetic than the media the media came and immediately tried to make it a story about discrimination against the religious identity of the um slaughterhouse owners and they happened to be muslim and the direct action everywhere organizer was muslim and she stood up there and said don't don't make that story that's a phony story i'm muslim they they wanted to find a way to um did they and did the reporters go inside to videotape the animals no so if if you want to get coverage from the news media you have to either get a lot of people arrested or go naked or you know do something outlandish and then they say look look at those crazy animal rights activists so I try not to fall into that trap. Um, and so what I'm saying is while your um, demonstration rate is very visual, you also have to have something that, that they read and say, oh, this makes sense because they're going to dismiss you immediately. Now, I think what you're saying is right. And, and that even sounds great. Like Selish, his, his white paper is fantastic. I mean, 87%. It's just these things that get lost that we don't think about. Like, why did it get to 87%? I urge everyone to read. It's really brilliant. We do have our cards. We'll be distributing those. There's facts on the back and information for people to go right to it immediately. And I'm going to consider um, definitely bringing Selish's uh, paper there as well. Um, and, and the reality is that, you know, look, Jane, as you sh- we shared we take our clothes off, we get arrested, whatever. That's a way. There's lots of ways. We have brilliant people. I've been on Capitol Hill lobbying on Capitol Hill to like, you know, being out in Kaporos with Eloisa and others. I mean, there's there's such a range of things that we're doing. We have people that are creating brilliant products. We have incredible scientists. We have doctors. We have cops that are siding with us. When we were actually on May 1st, when we had our demonstration there, um, it happened. It just so happened that one of the officers and their sergeant were vegan. They're like, "We'll let you go." If we had, if that hadn't happened, I don't know what would happen. But they were very sympathetic and cool. So as long as we're as long as we're you know, look, it's not against cops. It's a, against the system. It's not against these. It's against a system that has been in place since the almost since the beginning of systems. Right? We have to dismantle these systems. And uh, you know, I'm going to shout out again, just like Eloisa did, Animal Rebellion. You know, you guys killed it in the UK. That was fantastic. We have to have things like this that are outlandish. Why did I use the word, the phrase killed it, by the way? Yes, pardon, pardon. I'm still getting used to it. It takes 15 years. I still haven't figured it all out yet. But (laughs) Yes, and people ridicule us for getting rid of speciesist language. But we know language counts. 
language counts. And in this evolution revolutions happening today where we realize that words hurt and we have to be respectful toward everybody with our words. And because we've been so indoctrinated with toxic words, it's, it's, we, we have to stop and pause. And I've sometimes said things that go, oh, no, I said the wrong thing. I'm sorry. Uh, my parents were born in 1916. My, I, I grew up saying the icebox. Is the food in the icebox? Because the, my parents, they, they didn't ever take showers. They bathed. They were, they were literally from another, you know, the Russian Revolution hadn't even happened. Um, so women didn't have the right to vote when my mother was born. Um, so, uh, all right. Wow. What a wide ranging conversation. Let's get back to Renee. Renee is doing some really hard work. What? You know, I, Jean, oh, you have a question? Go no, go ahead. Take it away. Well, I just can't help but thinking of this analogy about a young child. The parent says, don't go out of the yard because you're going to be at risk of being hit by a car or whatever. And that child will go to the very edge of that yard and step that foot over to the sidewalk. And that is human nature. And that is what we are doing with our systems. We are testing, we are testing our limits as far as we can go. And we're actually putting our, the whole, you know, the whole planet is at risk with this uh, mindset, this, this human trait that is flawed. We're going to go as far as we can go and, and, and say that, yes, we've got all this biosecurity. We, we can do it because we are, we're safe. And then it breaks out and then it's too late. And we I have to. It is a, if it was from a lab, that shows you that it's so dangerous. And imagine, remember, they're trying to find out about these these infectious diseases. That's why they have the lab. Okay. So uh, they're proving by the fact that perhaps a minuscule amount got out or somebody who was infected walked out and spread it. They're proving the point of how dangerous these infectious diseases are. And my understanding is that they were studying bats. So it still boils down to our abuse of animals. And this oh, is by the way, virus. We're only talking. We're still only talking about one, right? Seventy-five percent of all the others. We could still give a whole list. It doesn't matter. Let's say this one did start in a lab. Let's say it started with cornflakes and a Brillo pad. I don't know. Whatever. Like, there's all these theories. The reality is that seventy-five percent of all others came from animals. Why would we play a game? It's it, the odds are stacked against it. My understanding is that it's still a zoonotic. If they're they're yeah, it's in absolutely. a lab, but they were studying bats in the yeah. lab. Yeah. Okay, absolutely. Renee. Um, what's the next step for this bill to try to get rid of the wet markets in LA? What's the next step? Let's say you can get a hearing. Let's say you hold protests. Let's say you um, there's this one particular individual who appears to be holding it up. Um, let's say you get it through. Then what? Well, if it gets through to have a hearing at the committee, uh, then of course we have, there's only three members on the committee. What's the name of the committee? Okay. The name of the committee is the arts, parks, 
health education and neighbors. Uh, it's a, a, a umbrella organization. Uh, and there are three members. The, the person who is now the committee chair is somebody new from last, from when the motion was made. His name is council member John Lee. And we need to ask council member John Lee and his committee, we call it APHEN, uh, the acronym, to have this hearing so that this, all of these arguments can be made and then the council would simply vote on it from there. And we had good support the first round in it. So why not allow this to be heard? In fact, this committee has canceled about four or five uh, meetings over the last two months. And on any one of those meeting dates, we could have had this hearing if someone is willing right. to hear it. Oh, can you just cancel forever? Well, there's a, there, you know, the, they came back to having a, a meeting and, uh, but our measure wasn't included. And um, so uh, I called John Lee's office and the, uh, the staff has said that uh, quite a few people have called in. And, but they are. And we invite John Lee on anytime. We would love to dialogue with you. Yes, we would love to, to find out what it is that's keeping us from being able to hear this issue because we know Los Angeles has the capability of leading others, even though we have a smaller amount of markets than they do in NYC. But our measure includes the poultry and it's, that's the big issue, Jane. You know, there's the frogs and turtles, and there are a few other mammals, but th there's rabbits, but it's the poultry, those chickens, that people are concerned about. They want their fresh chicken. And, you know, they've got these chicken wings and nuggets that are plant-based now that n nobody can tell the difference. We, are, we as a species are going to have to wake up. Uh, we are, we are in a very, very precarious place. But let's look at the bright side with the last 30 seconds. Oatly just went public, very successful, beyond meat, impossible. We've got Epicurious, the website going uh, in the plant-based direction. We've got a top restaurant in New York that uh, just declared that it's going plant-based. We've got uh, the France, uh, a proposal to ra radically expand vegetarianism. It's controversial, but uh, it's... Uh, it's being discussed. Um, the change is happening. As Nelson Mandela said, it always seems impossible until it's done. We are in the midst of the food revolution. Everybody, double down, double down. You are my heroes. Thank you so much. And those watching, get involved. Sign the petition. It's right there. It takes a second. We can do this. Talk to you soon. Thank you for tuning in to Jane Unchained. We hope you'll join Jane Velez Mitchell for the next edition of her program next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Meanwhile, have a peaceful week.